welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thanks, Brad, to Conversations About Life. Nice to be here. Looking forward to talking with you again. And I say again because we did try this before and, and had a really good conversation, and I really enjoyed it a whole lot. But... So we had a glitch. Something happened, and, <laughs> and uh, I don't have that recording. So I think I'll introduce you, and and then we'll maybe just a little bit of a summary of what we talked about last time, and if we want to continue with any of that, we can. And then we can just go on to wherever. And you know, I know there's particular things you're probably you might you may be interested in talking about, and mm-hmm. there's particular things that. So feel free to kind of pull the conversation toward those things I will um, there's things I'm interested in talking about and I'll pull that way and we'll just see where our middle ground is and so forth that sounds like a plan but you are an educator dedicated to adult learning and and you're an international development professional passionate about advancing social justice and maximizing Human development in the global south, especially sub-Saharan Africa. I'm getting that from the website, the, the write-up <laughs> about you. You're a professor at WashU, and um, you have you get involved with local governments and non-local and uh, local non-governmental organizations, and um, well, and you have just an interest in um, Africa. Yep, where you grew up um, as a son of missionary parents. And what country was it again? It was uh, Burkina Faso, West Africa. Okay. And then, and do you want to fill that out in any way? Um, just as far as saying who you are as a person? Who I am as a person? Well, I, I uh, am a professor at, at WashU, like you say. I'm at the Brown School. And uh, I've had a couple of phases of life spent in St. Louis in the last decade or so, but most recently uh, came back to St. Louis in June or July of 2019, I guess. So a little over a year uh, and a half or so that I've been back at, at WashU. So my grad degree and my uh, PhD are both from WashU. So WashU's kind of, I've been there a while all t- when you put all the years together. So it's, it's a good place for me. Okay. And... So, uh, something that we have in common is just uh, the, the Christian faith and an interest in that and identifying with it and so forth. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's pretty interesting to me um, because it seems like it gets down to the most important thing in life. Uh, like, I was just listening to Jordan Peterson, and he's uh, going through a lot of uh, suffering right now, health problems. And he talks about, um, you know, either, you know, faith that reality is good or it's the opposite would be that it's all a cruel type of thing. You know, just suffering, meaningless, nothing Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And it seems like Christianity kind of gets down to answering that, answering it in the positive that there is a good God who is working out his purposes mm-hmm. and that and not only that, but that he, um, 
He's a loving God who wants relationship with us. He loves us as his creatures. And there's a lot of hope in that. And it gives us a view of the world that's, you know, very good. Um, but there is just the matter of suffering, too, which can cause a person to, um, their faith to be shaken. And it, it can be a problem to work out. So, um, anyway, um, I said we would summarize a little bit of what we talked about last time, and we're just kind of <laughs> bypassing all of that. But anyway, maybe that'll all come up. But um, I guess I was thinking maybe we could start with just your view of the Christian faith as far as like a summary. If you were just to put it in a, you know, a few sentences, a paragraph or so, um, what would you say it's all about? Uh, this, this could be a little rambling perhaps, but, um, I think I'd sum it up by saying it's about, uh, living into our full potential or our, our full selves. You know, we hear that line a lot in society, like be your best self, mm -hmm. which I think is way overused and kind of cheesy in a sense, but I'm going to use it here anyway. It, it starts with that, like being who we were meant to be as, as human beings, being who we were meant to be as intentionally made creatures uh, with purpose, with objective, with design. And we're, the Christian life is about realizing that. It's about stepping into that wholly and completely and fully. And the way that you do that is is recognizing your relationship and your connection to God, who is the source of all that, who is uh, our our maker, our creator. And uh, the way that we we step into that relationship, the way that we come to to know him and to recognize that relationship with him is the way to realize that, that that self that that real full whole complete selves that we were meant to be is through uh christ and uh his his grace and his love and faith extended to us um that's it that's that's okay. how i would describe it and then how is it that christ um, brings that out of us, our um, you know best self, so to speak. It's kind of like I, I've often thought of it as as you know if you if you you wouldn't use the a keyboard a computer keyboard to dig a hole. You wouldn't use it as a shovel because it wasn't made for that. It wasn't intended for that. Um, you would, you would, uh, hopefully, you know, through, through just knowledge, you know, from, from life experience or reading the manual or, or taking a, a computer class or something like that, you would understand what the purpose of a keyboard is and how you're supposed to use it, how you're supposed to maximize that purpose or realize that complete purpose. And then you would use it as it is or was intended and by doing so, you would you would realize the maximum benefit of that that keyboard and and its creator's intention. 
uh, its creator's intention for how it be used and the purposes for which it is used. So uh, the Christian life and a relationship with Christ is is all about that. The, the deeper that you come to know Christ, the deeper that you follow him as a person, but also you follow his teachings and principles and, and the example he lived for us, you try to live that same life. The, the closer you get to your intended purpose or your our intended purpose as 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 humanity as as creatures of of god's creation um and that is first and foremost to be in relationship with god to to worship and adore god and then also to um reach out to those around us and to creation and take care of it and love love them love it embrace them embrace it uh and sort of live in the world um as as creatures as beings that we were intended to be so we will will be the keyboard because we were intended to be a keyboard that that analogy like we won't we won't do things we won't act in certain ways we won't have purposes or objectives that were that are not um, integral to God's original intent in creating us and who we're meant to be. If that makes any sense whatsoever. It does. It reminds me a little bit of what I've been reading lately in Matthew, um, which has a strong emphasis on Jesus's commandments. So you're talking about following Jesus. Well, at the very end, you know, the, it, the, Apostles were said, you know, go and make um, disciples, which is like an apprentice, yeah. and uh, teaching them all that I commanded you. So there's like, so there's a strong emphasis on commands, and and then on the Sermon on the Mount, you know, building your house on the solid rock is doing those things he had mm-hmm. just been laying out in the past in previous couple of chapters, and the commands go deep, you know, down to to the very heart of things. He wants our whole selves to be right, not just outwardly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and it's in in one sense one thing. One paradox I've noticed as I here recently was reading is that um, it's referred to as um, a hard road that few mm-hmm. find. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. least life, but few find mm-hmm. it, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later, a few, couple chapters later, he talks about take my yoke upon me and find rest for your mm-hmm. souls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's something hard about it, mm-hmm. and yet there's something that gives us rest, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of paradoxical in that sense. But um, but the whole... Th- Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I think that's that's something that's that's often misunderstood about Christianity, and also we as Christians... Um, I think we we don't do a great job of expressing that 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 it is a hard road. Like becoming a Christian, becoming a follower of Christ is not going to solve all your problems. It's not going to, you know, dramatically improve your life. In fact, your life may get worse. Ultimately, <laughs> we don't know. You know, it's it's not a it's not a just take this red pill and everything will be okay. Um, in terms of the immediate you know, reality of your situation and circumstance. 
what it is is uh, over time just a deep a deep sense of rest and assurance in the middle of that reality um, and and uh, I think you know in in our zeal or our efforts to to share sort of what we've learned about Christ and about truth with others we we present it sometimes as um, you know, this is going to be a great life and everything's going to be good. And, you know, uh, and then I think society sort of sees that about us. And then they, when it doesn't turn out that way, or they see a Christian living a life that, you know, they don't necessarily want, they don't, what were you guys talking about? What, where's all this, this positive change and great transformation? Um, but, but on the inside, you, you just come to, Uh, it, it's 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 something you just accept by faith. It's it's a it's a mystery. It's it's mystical. You just have this assurance that you know life is hell right now, but I'm okay and I'm going to be okay. It, it, it's that's what you 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 get. Um, and you may not have that overnight uh, either, but if you stick with it, you will. Okay, so. Um so do you experience that, like when everything's going wrong, um, that you still f- feel, um, you know, like everything, you feel that peace? In in degrees, you know, sometimes I have to dig deeper to like, it's like you're digging through soil and you're looking for bedrock. And sometimes you've got a little, a few more layers <laughs> that you got to dig through. Or if you're in a really bad situation, uh, you know, it, it takes some longer digging, but, but it's always there. It's, it's always there. And, and I just have to, I have to find it sometimes. I have to look for it. I have to dig deeper for it. But, but eventually um, I hit it. And I should also say, I just realized I said a lot of eyes. Um, I, I can't do this. None of us can do it alone. And so when I say I'm digging... I'm digging, but others are helping me dig and others are telling me to dig and others are telling me how to dig and like, look there and don't look here and, you know, maybe spend some more time over here. But eventually it's just there. Hmm. It's there. And I'm not saying life, I mean, life can suck. Believe me, I could tell you some things. (laughs) We all can, right? Life can suck. But, but, and you go through periods of, you know, it feels like it's not that assurance, that rest, that 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 anchor. Um, you 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 can't find it. You can't see it. But in my life, solely because of God's goodness extended to me, for some crazy reason, I've always found it eventually. So, what is your connection? to God like like does it feel like a personal connection um, f- uh, for example um, like in my life I can think of connection with God like my conversion experience mm-hmm. that was a long time ago <laughs> yeah, yeah and when things are going well as when I'm reading the the scriptures prayer and stuff there's times where I just it just resonates with me and so mm-hmm. forth yeah. but there's there's times when um, things just things just don't seem um, 
very good at all. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I would, it, I, I would, you know, I desire more of a personal connection with God, mm-hmm. like knowing. And I'm not alone. Knowing he uh, he knows, and there's a purpose in this, or knowing that he's upholding me in it, or or something along those lines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, do you experience that in your own life, or? Um, oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that's what I. I mean, that's essentially what I was getting at with the idea that sometimes I have to dig deeper, or sometimes I need more help to tell me where to dig and how to dig. That's those are the times when I I don't feel God, I don't I don't experience God, I don't I don't see God in you know active in my life or uh, in my mind and heart, you know, and and yeah so I'm definitely going you know you have these ups and downs or these waves that that come and go and and sometimes it's like months or even years at a time hmm. um and so at that point, you know during those times that's when um i think I think a reliance on just you know things like um scripture says this period. I don't feel it. I don't necessarily believe it, but at some level it says it and that I'm just going to, going to count on it or, Hmm. or I turn, you know, I get real sort of rational about it. This isn't about my feelings. This isn't about my feelings. It just is. And Mm -hmm. I just have to be okay with it is. I don't feel it. I don't even believe it necessarily. I don't, you know, all things point in other directions, but I'm still going to, it is, it is, it is. I keep coming back to, it is true. It is true. It is real. Right. And that, so far, that's, that's kept me in a, in a good place. Or in, it's kept me in the faith. It's, it's kept me, you know, I haven't walked away or, or tried to explore other options. Right. So it sounds like sometimes it takes patience um, you were mentioning, you know, possibly years, you know, yeah, a long time. Definitely, definitely. Uh, and, um, and it sounds like it's a matter of faith, just this is what the scriptures say. So that's just the way it, it is. And, um, and when I think of faith or trust like that, um, I think, well, it's not like just pulling something out of the air and I'm just going to believe this because it helps me to believe this. Mm-hmm, There's mm-hmm. reasons for faith, but it is. Mm-hmm kind of going into the unknown too because um, yeah. we're yeah. trusting a person we don't know the f- future so we're yeah. trusting him yeah. with our right. lives right. in the future and stuff at some point you have to jump different people will jump at different points and different it will take it will take more you know evidence and rational argumentation and data and convincing and all of that it, we we all have different levels of need in regards to that, but no matter how you call it, um, if you're, you're going to be a Christian, then at some point you're going to get to a line where it says, I don't, I don't see beyond this line. And it, you have to make a decision. Are you going to jump or are you going to stay on the cliff? Hmm. Right. At some point, I don't know when that will be for you or if you'll ever get there. But if, if you do, if you, if you start walking this, if you start following Christ, you know, 
there will be times when everything lines up. You know, one plus two equals three, three plus two equals five, five plus five is ten. You know, everything's great. Lots of data, lots of evidence, lots of rational argumentation. You know, the, the preacher preached a good three-point sermon and used lots of good support from various sources, yada, yada. But all that's good. But at some point, you'll reach a point in your life where it'll be a choice to believe or not. Right. Yeah. Um, we're fortunate to have, like, all of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think back to early Christians where um, books were rare and um, you would hear someone maybe reading scriptures in public gatherings, but it's not like you could just carry around your Bible with you and open it up and remind yourself of, of things. So we're, right. uh, I can kind of see how people at that time may have been more dependent upon one another to remind them of the, the, the things with the Christian faith because they didn't have that Bible and they would kind of depend upon one another to encourage them and so forth, it seems like. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there's um, the thing that kind of can threaten to um, to undo someone's faith is the matter of um, suffering in the world, and like so, f- f- you know, people who debate stuff like this, they would refer to it as the problem of pain. Yeah, yeah, and. I can kind of see that, um, you know, um, if you were not like real resolute in like what's a matter of faith, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. um, but you're more of like um, examining the weather. How's my life going? Is my life making sense? And now it's starting not to make sense. So I'm kind of wavering a little bit. And then if a crashing blow came down, like that could do a person in, it seems like, as far as faith goes. Mm-hmm. And um, and you do hear stories, sometimes people who are atheists, it's not just um, something they rationalize their way to, but some something happened. And um, so it's more of a personal thing that, and maybe is related to the problem of pain. Mm-hmm. I think um, Bart Erdman, um, there, you know, he's got a story behind uh, him as a New Testament um, professor, but someone who doesn't buy into the Christian faith, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, uh, growing up um, and being familiar with, uh, you know, a place where people may suffer quite a bit more, like, we have f- first world problems, mm-hmm. and they can threaten to undo us sometimes, but um, no matter, but my worst nightmare someone's probably experiencing that somewhere in the, you know, somewhere in the world. Um, have you experienced, um, and my only hope um, of that, of not knowing what the future holds, is that um, God will be there and he will be the one who supports my faith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because we're, we, we're all headed toward, you know, something that's not ideal from just a strictly naturalistic viewpoint, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, have you seen things that, um, you know, suffering uh, where um, it was just evident that uh, God was there or um, um, you have any examples of like a suffering that we're not even 
familiar with and things like that because of just different places you know you've been in the world um Yeah, there, there. I'm, I'm thinking of a number of different points you raised, you raised in, in that, that question, but um, the suffering, examples of suffering, I suppose. So, I think suffering is to some extent relative, you know, and so the, the, the greater privilege or opportunity or, or blessing, whatever you want to call it fortune um, that you have then maybe your level of suffering or what you would describe as suffering is is going to be higher right. than, than others you know people that are living from paycheck paycheck to paycheck um, you know they can maybe handle quite a great deal before they would describe it as suffering quote unquote right but um, you know someone like me that I I've I've there's just a level of, of suffering I've never experienced because of the circumstances that I was born into, the, the life that I've lived over the years. Um, so I think, I think suffering is, is relative to some extent, but then the emotion that you experience or, or the feelings, the thoughts that you experience, those are similar. Hmm. Whatever your level of suffering, whatever you describe as suffering, I think you're you're experiencing some similarities, you know, across across the spectrum. Um, you know, and so obviously, uh, people in other parts of the world, people in the global south, especially sub-Saharan Africa, Latin America, uh, Asia, parts of Asia live a reality well and even parts of the u.s that we don't like to think about so much or don't aren't good about acknowledging are experience a, a reality that that a lot of us don't even know or or understand or can describe um and so they experience a level of suffering that that we haven't but yet in in that experience they can be happy and satisfied and living a good life and um you know at growing up in Africa and and doing a lot of work in in Africa and and other places that definitely materially don't have the same access to the same resources that we do here in the US um you know living on a couple dollars a day uh, living in ve- very different physical, you know, environments and whatnot, but but they're happy, and a lot of times, you know, they're happier than we <laughs> that we are are happier than a lot of people in in the U.S. seem to be mm-hmm. with you know 140 times the amount of wealth and blessing and privilege and access and opportunity and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so I think suffering is, you know, it's a matter of, of what you experience uh, and also a matter of just your heart and your mind and, and where that is, you know, where you're, what you're focused on, what, you're, right. what you rely on as, as kind of a, what your worldview is, I suppose. 
Right. Yeah. It's more than just what you're experiencing. It's like a mental type of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's your, yeah. What's your view of it? What's your understanding of it? What's that? That is the most important piece. I'm not saying, and I'm not saying suffering's not real. You know, like if you don't know where you're going to get a formula for your kid, Mm-hmm. you know, for this evening's feeding or whatever, that's, that's, you know, that's in your face. I'm not talking about denial or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not talking about that phrase you hear a lot in America, which actually drives me nuts. I'm blessed. Um, I'm not talking about that, you know, sort of mind over matter type stuff. So suffering is real, mm-hmm. but your where your mind and spirit and heart are rooted will make the most difference. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me um, of the whole deal of, you know, the whole idea of like cares and Jesus when he was talking about the parable of the sower. Mm-hmm. You know, the, so, the seed that fell among the thorns, it, um, it grew up, but it got yeah. choked out. Yeah. And then when he was explaining the parable, he said, well, that is um, when the... the forget if it's the word of the gospel, you know, the good news or something, uh, the word of God, something where it gets, it goes out. But for some people, um, they receive it, but there's like either the deceitfulness of riches or the cares of the world that Mm. choke it out. So um, it, it reminds me of cares being something to be careful about because there's a danger there that it can choke out spiritual life yep. um, but that's what we have in America we have cares you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, it's kind of um, hard to you know it's not like you can just get rid of cares because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're they're important you know you mm-hmm. you have um, whatever d- depending upon your situation you have a profession to care about you have other people who depend upon you you um, you have to kind of keep your life together because if you don't, um, then someone else is going to have to, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, yeah. I mean, there are things to, to care for, um, and yet they are a danger. Um, that's, so that's one of the problems I get, and it's probably a bigger problem in a first world, um, country. Um, well, it's interesting in that parable that, that it's basically saying that two polar opposites can result in the same the same uh, end objective or end reality, excessive riches and wealth, yeah. right? Can can divert you from what you should be focused on, but also right. excessive cares and worries and concerns and and struggles right. can do exactly the same thing. Hmm. And it uh, looks, seems like it's a matter of focus. Exactly, and um, exactly. So it doesn't matter if you are in. You know, you're you you live in a huge house. You make lots of money. You have three, four cars. You know, you've got the best life around. That can still that can be just as distracting from your core sort of purpose and objective and focus as I have nothing and I don't know where my next meal is coming from. Right. The end right. result of both realities are a distraction from what is pure right or true right so that comes back to the matter of digging um where you're trying to get away from your current circumstances and the mess of life 
to something more solid, something where you found find a foundation and peace. When, how, when you're referring to d- digging, what's that look like? Um, how, uh, you know, what is, um, you know, what's that process like? Um, let's see. I guess it happens in my head. <laughs> a lot of it happens in my in my head, just kind of self-reflection, self-talk in a sense, you know, like wrestling with with different with different issues. And so, you know, one of the things you you mentioned earlier uh when I said you had this question that had made me think of multiple different different tra- trains of thought I could go down. Um, how we think of pain and how we think of suffering just in general, like how can God be X, whatever we describe God to be or however we describe him to be, but yet we have all this suffering, we have, you know, all these negative things in the world. My, my thought sort of, my thought train around that, around that topic is I've, I've, that hasn't really been a big struggle for me and sometimes I don't know why sometimes I think well am I just like too simplistic in my view of of this but the way that I think about it is God is this omnipotent being that I I can't fathom or understand and if he is like God he can do whatever the hell he wants to do and I don't need to understand it or agree with it. You know, if he decides that if he's an omnipotent thing and we're like, you know, I'm just using this to, to uh, this analogy to make a point, you know, to, to illustrate a point, we're like pieces on a chessboard or something like that. Then if he decides that we should all wear red shirts because he likes the color red, then that's not, what do I have to say or do with that? He's God. So, so like, in a sense, like, obviously, I don't like pain, I don't like suffering, I don't like the fact that, you know, these terrible atrocities happen around the world, and I do sort of am perplexed at some level, but then at another level, I'm like, I don't get it, but that's okay that I don't get it. I don't like it, but that's okay, because I'm not God. So, I'm going down that path, because I go, that's where I go. A lot of times. So if, if it, when I'm wrestling with different thoughts and trying to, to dig for that anchor, you know, I'll go to like that thought that I, that I just shared or that concept that like, look, God can do whatever God wants to do. And he is under no obligation to me that I should understand it, that I should accept it, that I should feel all, co- you know, get all sorts of goosebumps around it. It just, he's God. And I, he's God. I ain't got nothing else to say. So that's, I go there a lot of times for everything. And that just sort of, okay, snap back, reality. He's God, I'm not, deal. Um, that's often a part of the conversation, a part of my self kind of conversation. But, but you know, a, a lot of it will revolve around things like, um, just going back to these core truths, you know, um, I think about the story of David and all of the horrible things that, that David did, but God described him as a man after his own heart. 
And so, you know, if I'm in a place where I'm like, I can't believe you did that today, Brad, or you were so horrible to that person or da, 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 da. And, um, obviously I, I ask for forgiveness and I, I do self-reflection and try to, you know, think of ways that I can, I can do better the next time around. But at the same time, I'm like, I can still know that God loves me, that God accepts me because if he accepted David, not only did he accept David, he said David was a man after his own heart. Um, and here's a man who sent a woman's husband to the front line of a battle so he would get killed so David could snag his wife and take her to bed. Right? But yet God says, this is a man after my own heart. So like that's, that's, I'm, I'm rambling on, but, but you're, you're, this is giving you like the insight into the conversation. This is the digging, mm-hmm. you know? So if I'm feeling you know, God doesn't love me, or I really screwed up today, I'll, I'll think about David, I'll think about, um, you know, scriptures, a lot, a lot of scriptures, uh, um, you know, God's forgiven my sins as far as the East is from the West, things like that, you know, you can't get much further than that. Uh, you know, so you just go to these, these truths um, and eventually, you know, you, 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 you just rest in those truths and you repeat them to yourself and you go and read about them again. And then you go back and read about them, you know, three, five, six, eight hundred times, however much you have to, you have to do it. So that's the process of digging. And, and, and part of that might be reaching out to friends, reaching out to, to, people that I look up to, especially in, you know, for spiritual counseling and spiritual advice. Um, yeah, uh, that was a lot of rambling, but hopefully that made sense. It did. Yeah. And then just thinking of, well, God's God and he can do whatever he wants. I think implied in that is that he knows what he's doing. Like it's uh, that he's, he's good. And, Mm -hmm. and then, and you, and like you said, not only is there a God, but he cares about you and he cares about yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is it that, um, is that just something th- during those times you just kind of f- try to fit into your life or do you just um, clear the table and just, you know, um, say, I'm just going to dedicate this time to digging or I guess. Um, it's, it's, ha- it, it's ongoing all the time. Okay. <laughs> It, it never stops. Like it, it, at some level, you know, as I'm going through my day, you know, I'm doing okay stuff like that. I, and and uh, I tend to be like analyzing and thinking and unpacking and repacking and unpacking again, like everything. Like I'm very much an analytical person and an anal- have an analytical approach to life. Period. You know. Um, so it's just I could be doing it at at any moment, you know, just sort of wrestling inside my head. Yeah. For some people, um, I think when they gather together in like a church and they're all singing the same thing or mm-hmm. something, that that reinforce that's like them encouraging one another because they're all mm-hmm. they're it's like they're reminding others of the truths, you know, each yeah, other yeah, truth yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. For me. Um, I think that this might just be part of my personality. 
it doesn't work that way so much. It's almost like, look at all the people in one room, uh, focused in the same way, seeing the, the same thing. Like, it's this kind of like an echo chamber. Um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Um, it's like, are they having just these blinders on or just, you know, and purposely not looking at things in like a objective, real way? Mm-hmm. And it kind of, mm-hmm. anyway, but I think that just might be the way I, and I tend to push back against things and stuff like that. And, no, you know. no, yeah, I, I, I understand that. I get that. Yeah. I can do that, too. Um, what kind of fellowship do you enjoy, like, with other Christians, or what kind of connection with other Christians is meaningful to you? Um, is it, like, in a formal church service with liturgy? Is it just a few people... Um, with coffee and conversation or is it through praying together or, or serving together? Is there anything in particular mm-hmm. that um, nourishes your faith and, and helps you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely uh, participating in corporate worship is, is important to me. And, and that's, that's um, something I rely on. For, for spiritual growth and spiritual development and nourishment. Um, and I do appreciate uh, liturgy a lot. Um, so uh, especially in, you know, the last few years, my appreciation of a more liturgical worship experience has grown. I didn't grow up in a, in a very liturgical um, church environment or church setting, but as an adult have, have definitely sort of migrated to that part of Christian faith. Um, and, and part of that is, is, uh, I, I just like routine and repetition. Like I'm a very ordered kind of person. And so that the orderly, you know, step by step sort of process of a liturgy is appealing to me. Um, but also the fact that we're say, we we're saying words, we're engaged in practices that, that, the Christians have done um, since the advent of Christianity, and so I, I value that that ongoing linkage, you know, to the to the past. Um, but I love history, and I'm that way with everything. You know, yeah. where where do we come from, uh, and where we're going is largely rooted in where we come from. So, um, just the beauty and the solemnity of of liturgy, I love. But anything that, you know, I can, I can, so in addition to the liturgy, anything, you know, just in general, like, like art and nature, if, if, if I am appreciating it aesthetically, um, you know, and it's, it's beautiful, it, it, it's communicating to me, that will often move into like a God focused experience. Um, you know, I can be looking at sort of a grove of, of trees and, you know, the initial attraction will be just the physical beauty of it. But then if the longer I spend kind of in that moment and, and admiring the beauty and soaking in the beauty, at some point I'll start to think about what does this tell me about God or how is God being shown in this scene or what does this make? What is this making me feel? And is that something that is 
connected to God, you know. So even like a lot of a lot of those sort of aesthetical, uh, emotional, you know, just life experiences are are really nourishing and helpful to me. And then the third thing I'd say is um, connection with other Christians, but on a, a sort of a one to one level like i'm i'm very much an introvert i don't like crowds i don't like parties i don't like loud places so the fact that i even like church at all is kind of surprising uh because you know give me a good cup of coffee and a quiet corner with a you know a nice glowing lamp and someone to talk to and i'm i'm the happiest i could ever be probably yeah so those are the mo- those are the things that i I find strength in. Do you work that out? Like, especially now during COVID and stuff, it's not as easy to meet places because not every place is open. So do you try to make sure this is a part of your life now? Or is it just when it happens, it happens. When it doesn't, it doesn't. Like, you know, meeting with individuals just for conversation and so forth. Well, honestly, uh, I'm at a place in my life right now where that's I'm not happy with where I'm at. In, okay. in that in that regard and covid just made it all the worse right you know the, the the i don't i don't really have a lot of connections in the st louis area um especially with with um christians that i could have these the kinds of conversations that i want to have you know mm-hmm. um to to begin with and part of that is because i'm so introverted mm-hmm. you know uh, um and when I say I'm introverted, like if I go to a, if I, if, if some, by some miracle, like I, I make it to like a, a social gathering of some sort, I'm going to find somebody that's kind of in, you know, more like me and I'm going to plop down in a corner and I'm not going to speak to anyone other than that person the entire time. And I'm immediately going to start thinking about how soon would be too soon to leave this party. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not the best uh, person to be, you know, outgoing, socialite making friends or whatever. So I struggle in that area to begin with. And then you add COVID it's, it's been a desert. (laughs) Yeah. It's been some dry times. I mean, I have one or two people that, that hang in there with me. And so that's been, that's helped to make it through. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that too. Um, If I'm in a, a group, I tend to just be an observer and let other people be the participants and, so forth. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, you know, is there um, here before, you know, kind of going on, just one more question about just Christian practice. Mm-hmm. Is there any particular prayer practice that's mm-hmm. meaningful to you in your life? Mm-hmm. Um, like, um, you know, personal liturgy type of mm-hmm. prayer book mm-hmm. type of stuff or... Do you set aside time for it, or is it just like mm-hmm. on the go, or mm-hmm. you know something mm-hmm. like that? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, so I, I, another part of my personality is uh, I can be really uh, uh, obsessive and kind of legalistic about things, mm-hmm. and I have had a life where I've had like years of my life where that was a big chore. You know, I felt like I have got to get an hour a day 
of, you know, reading my Bible and praying or, you know, God's not happy with me and Hmm. that kind of thing. You know, I went through, I, yeah, I, (laughs) I went through lots of, you know, guilt and legalism, you know, thinking I had to do that or God was going to be displeased with me. And, you know, I went through phases of, you know, I've got to be stopping every other person that I walk by and talking to, you know, telling them about Christ and otherwise God's not pleased with me mm-hmm. and da 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 da. And I just got exhausted. Mm-hmm. And literally like it 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 the exhaustion took me over. Like I it I just didn't have a choice. But one day it was like, I'm done. I am done. I am not doing this. Hmm. And so ever since then I I I don't have a regular practice okay. and like uh, of that. But at the same time, I'm always praying. Okay. Yeah. And, and I feel like, I feel like, you know, I used to always think about that verse in scripture. Um, I'm not even going to remember it exactly, but the one that talks about can be, praying continuously or something like that. Yeah. Without ceasing. There you go. Praying without ceasing. I'm like, what in the world? What, what? I'm just supposed to pray like all the time. Like, I don't get it, but I do know. I do know because it's, I mean, and when I say I'm praying all the time, it's like a whisper. It's like a kind of an, an angst. That's like a yearning or a longing. It's like a thought. It's like a, Hmm. a breath, just like a, a a word or two. It, It could be like, You know, anything could be like, please, God, just in passing or help that person, you know, like, or, or just like, I just wish I were, I just wish I were more loving. You know, you just have that like kind of a, a passing, like, right. Um, maybe that's an excuse. Maybe I need to be more disciplined. I mean, and I do feel that I do feel like I need to be more disciplined, but every time I start going down that path, like, you know, you need to be, you know, you need to read your Bible more. You need to da da da. I, I, I get sort of a little, what's the word? Anxious, I guess that I'm going back down that, that black hole that has, that's going to suck me into this, Right. Got to do this. Don't do this. Got to do that. You know. So anyway, right. that's where I'm at. Yeah. And for you, when you were kind of doing that, had that structure, or if you move in that direction, it's not so much like, "Well, I'm doing this for myself." It's like this is approval for God or or something. Yeah. It very things. quickly turns into that. Yeah. You know, and it's like, but at the same time, you know, like for example, I've thought a lot over during this COVID time that I, I haven't actually done it because I, I'm not quite sure why, because I think the Basilica is actually open, but I've thought a lot about, I would love to go and just sit in the Basilica hmm. for like, and just sit, see what happens. Right. You know, like find a quiet spot and kind of sit because it's just a beautiful place mm-hmm. uh, and it's quiet and contemplative and, you know, so I'll, I do stuff like that, but it's on the spur of a moment right. kind of a thing. Or I'm going to hmm. go for a walk yeah, and I'm going to, you know, put on uh, some some meditative Christian music that I like or some, you know, I'm going to listen right. to a podcast. But it's more like spontaneous, 
It's mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about it's got to be this amount of time. Mm-hmm. So I do do that, but it's not regimented. Right. Yeah. I wonder if that's something along the lines of um, walking by the Spirit that Paul talks about in Romans, just feeling that... Um, constant connection mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i guess being in that ideal state <laughs> that we're talking about like f- a focus and um walking with god rather than being caught up in the world and the cares and so mm-hmm. forth mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. um well concerning the basilica and just the beauty of it so i have not gotten into visual Christianity too much, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I know there's a rich tradition in it. Mm-hmm. That, and mm-hmm. on the way over here, I was listening to a fellow, I forgot his name, but he's a carver of icons in like the oh, nice. Greek church. And, um, and it, so it, it just kind of made me uh, think about um, his podcast is the symbolic world and i'm not sure what his name is (laughs) i can't find it real quick but um it just made me think about um that there's a rich tradition of ways to uh, focus on god and enjoy him Mm -hmm. and and things like that that Mm -hmm. is still left to be explored Mm -hmm. but you had mentioned like an i think a orthodox friend eastern orthodox Mm um and um i know there's so it's so we share in common Protestants, Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, the the basics of Christianity, but there seems to be like a different emphasis in mm-hmm. the Orthodox Church, which is interesting to me. Um, and I think we've mentioned I know in our current culture there's like um some pushback on the the atonement as far as like um I think it's sometimes referred to as like penal yep, atonement. Substitution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as like there's um, a, a debt to pay, and um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then um, Jesus steps in and he takes our punishment, and then the wrath of God is poured out on him. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and sometimes it's not so much like a pushback on that, but more like there's more, there's a fuller understanding of the expression than just that um that perhaps that's an aspect of how it's understood and then there's other things so it's like this rich mysterious type of thing um and and perhaps we shouldn't like uh simplify it too much or something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but do you have any thoughts about the atonement um you know the the death of jesus um does it feed your soul um what does it mean to you? Um, what do you think it's all about? Um, yeah, this is a really interesting topic. And, and one I've been, like, it's a new topic for me that I've been exploring, or not, you know, not in any kind of researchy type way, but just wrestling with in my thoughts and, and, and thinking about. Because um, I, I grew up, in a very, uh, what I would call evangelical Protestant, uh, tradition. And by the way, I hate using the word evangelical to describe myself because a lot of people, there's a lot, that word no longer means what it once meant. It has lots of other connotations that would not be true of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't like using the word originally the person who is credited for first, you know, 
creating the word or using the word, it meant four simple things that were that were uh, very similar to what Martin Luther believed. You know, sola scriptura, salvation by grace through faith, uh, etc. Like just four very simple things. Now it means a whole lot, a whole lot of other things. So. If you hear me, audience, use the word evangelical, please know I'm referring very strictly to the theological interpretation of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up with the idea that, you know, uh, humanity, God created humanity for, for union with him, to live with him, uh, to be loved by him and to love him, and humanity sinned. And by, uh, as a result of that sin, they separated themselves from God. There's this big gulf, and God can't tolerate sin, so God needed to punish some, you know, he hmm. needed to punish the sin, or, you know, something need to be, needed to be done to, dealt, to deal with this sin. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing was, you know, the, the original humans were expelled from this place where they were together with God in a more direct, continuous way. And uh, then, you know, Christ was given as, and he was punished for the things that humanity should, that humanity did and should have been punished. So that's the traditional sort of narrative, right? That the penal atonement or penal substitution. Mm-hmm. And, but it's only through, you know, my, as an adult and just learning about different traditions and different thoughts uh, and and perspectives that I, I like the way you said it when you 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 took us in this direction was there's something fuller I don't know what it is I don't know how to describe it I don't know where I stand as as an individual what I think about it but but you know I know things like the Western Church meaning the Roman Catholic Church and then the Protestant denominations that sprung from the Roman Catholic Church and then from each other mm-hmm. has basically totally ignored the the writings of the Eastern Church, hmm. you know, in, in the development of our theology. And the writings of the Eastern Church are just as old, if not often older, than our own sort of theology. And at one point, it was one church— mm-hmm. So I guess up until about 1000 or 1100 something like the that. The schism, right. you know, and and one uh, one could also argue I suppose that that orthodoxy in a sense uh, was like the the original reformation <laughs> uh because they the schism happened, I mean I'm simplifying and and again I don't know a whole lot but because the bishop of Rome decided he was going to be a pope, or you know, he was made that rather than having patriarchs that were equal, mm-hmm. uh, however many there were, like nine or twelve or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, all of equal, you know, the original churches from Scripture that were established. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bishop of Rome, who was one of the patriarchs, you know, he decides he's going to be the Grand Poobah of all of Christianity, <laughs> apparently, or he was made that, uh, and that's what led to the schism. They're like, no, we're not part of it in a very simplistic way. So, um, yeah, I've just uncovered or, you know, learned there's lots of different perspectives, uh, maybe not a lot, but a few other others, um, that are out there that give me 
hmm, I need to think about this or I need to consider this or, you know, so that doesn't answer your question. The short answer is I don't know where I'm at yet. Okay. I just, but I like what you said, like there's something fuller mm-hmm. or it's not this idea of like somebody sinned and somebody's got to pay. Mm-hmm. There may be a component of that, but I don't think that was really God's intention. I think it was more about a gift, more about perhaps, I'm wondering, mm-hmm. you know, conquering death or mm-hmm. restoring something that was broken. And that could be semantical in some ways, you know, but not about somebody's got to pay and you can't pay because you wouldn't be able to handle it, but he can pay because he's divine and he can come back. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, One aspect of it seems to be, um, uh, anyway, something that's kind of encouraging to me is that um, Jesus took on suffering. He took on, like, hell, so to speak. And then, um, and it did, and then he was victorious over it. Like, mm-hmm. he came, he entrusted himself into the hands of the Father, and he was vindicated, you know? Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. kinda, he kind of leads the way for us to, you know, in the midst of suffering, to consider entrusting, you know, following Jesus and entrusting ourselves into the hands of the Father and um, considering, well, Jesus wasn't, um, um, you know, it wasn't a tragedy. It, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. came out, the Father vindicated him, um, and he was victorious over his enemies, uh, not through might, but through um, trusting, the, trusting his Father, you know, mm-hmm, so that... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that um, and through giving his life, like ultimate sacrifice... Right in a different way, like, like I surrender my life for my friends. Right. Not I'm taking their punishment so much as I, I'm giving my life. So it's, it's a little semantical, but it's important. I think yeah. it's an important distinction. Yeah. No, I do. Um, it's to me, the, the way I see some of Paul's writings, it does seem to be like, there seems to be some kind of, um, um, something along the lines of um, uh, sacrifice, you know, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. which I guess is is similar to, uh, or is kind of like what we'd refer to as penal substitution. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. it perhaps, and then there's also like um, a ransom, a purchase type of thing. So so there's, uh, you know, perhaps um, different, uh, qualities of the the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, that we're mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to look at, and mm-hmm. um, well, I guess um, so. We have like a lot in common when it comes to Christianity, but you're probably, um, you know, from just talking to you, you're kind of more like left leaning when it comes to politics than I am. So it's not like um, you know, I, I want to start in in a whole lot of political, um, uh, you know, co- conversation. But mm-hmm. I'm interested in just the role of government, and I think we mm-hmm. talked about this a little bit before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, um, in my thinking, because of just how I've been raised in my circles and so forth, that um, government, you know, should be really strictly limited to mm-hmm. just. Um, 
these really basic type of things, um, and um, and then that's right, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm I'm kind of wondering about that. Like, why do I think that? Is it um, is it a pragmatic thing because um, it just works that way? Mm-hmm. And like when government gets too big, too involved. It's not efficient and it doesn't work. Is it um, a moral thing? Like um, man can't handle uh, power and government on a big scale. So it's best to keep government limited. So it's almost like the separation of powers, you know, mm-hmm. so that power is not, cons- uh, you know, conciliated. Um, or is it... Um, is there a biblical reason, or or where does this come from? Because it's something that I haven't questioned too much before. Mm-hmm. It's just um, a part of my culture, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, when I talk to some people, like uh, you and other people, there's a different view of government where it's more a loose type of thing. Um, it's like government can get really involved um, for the good of the people. Um, and that's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, um, you know, if it works, is that okay for government to be bigger and more um, involved in our lives? Is it naive um, to kind of think, well, man can really um, do that um, and for it to work out and not to get corrupt and so forth or or whatever? But... Um, so do you have any thoughts about this topic as far as the role of um, a government? Is it like really um, set in your own thinking about what the role of government is? Or is it more of kind of like a fluid thing? Or, or do, you, do you just have any thoughts mm-hmm. on, on mm-hmm. that topic? Uh, I definitely have a lot of thoughts. Um, I don't really think of... of I don't think too much about the role of government as as being like there's a right way and there's a wrong way okay there just are a number of ways okay and are a number of perspectives on the role of government um you know i would argue scripture presents one particular picture but i wouldn't say, you know, I'm not going to debate someone that has a different view, necessarily. Um, and what is that or, or view? Or disagree. I, I'm getting there. Okay, sure. Uh, I think. <laughs> uh, um, but I, I think that, in general, like, um, societies around the world, their perspectives around the role of government um, is largely a result of the their culture and the way that they were or way that we are are socialized in general whatever society and culture you're coming from you were socialized in ways that you that we were socialized in ways that we didn't even recognize necessarily and then when you're an adult you suddenly realize or you may not realize that you have all of these you know assumptions and and conceived ideas and perspectives that are based on your culture and how you were brought up um socially not your specific fam or my specific family but just we've been formed a lot more than i think we recognize by our our societies 
and U.S. Um, the U.S. society and American cultures of all their varieties um, are just very individualist uh, and individualistic, and so they put a lot of emphasis on individual liberty, individual freedom, individual decision making, um, that type of thing, and they place you know, the, our ideas as individuals, like our value as a person is rooted on an individual sort of realization or individual accomplishment or individual uh, capacities and skills and credentials and things like that. Other cultures around the world have a very opposite view. Like my value as an individual is determined by uh, the role that I play in my community and how how sort of faithful I am to play out that role or to mm. step into that role or to live out that role. Um, do I, do I meet the expectations that society has of me? Do I meet the expectations that my community and my family has of me? And so like value and worth and importance and whatnot in some, not some, most cultures around the world is more rooted in social life or social reality. But somehow, I'm not quite sure how exactly, we in, in the United States, I mean, we're even more individualistic than Canada. So we can't even say North America. It, it, we're definitely more individualistic than Europe. So I think it really is the U.S. that somehow... Uh, has this, what I describe as this hyper-individualism. Um, and so I think that's, that's part of the reason why there's a, a preference for very limited government. Regardless of whether you're conservative or liberal, capital C, capital L, uh, in this case, if, if you take the staunchest, con, you know, the staunchest liberal... American and plop them in Sweden, that person would be pretty mainstream, you know? So, so our, in comparison to a lot of other places in the world, you know, our, our politics on a world, on a world scale is definitely right of center. All of it. Our left is right of center when it comes to, uh, at a worldwide level. Historically, I think that's been true. Now, in recent years, U.S. you know thoughts about government and and politics um, on the liberal side has drifted more more left. There, there's been segments of of the liberal side that has gone further left than I think it ever has in this country, and so maybe we're starting to change that 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 paradigm a bit. Um, but I, so maybe I'm a product, uh, to some extent as well of having grown up mostly outside the U S. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, uh, they, people don't think of, of government as this kind of inherent evil or this inherent sort of beast of a thing that needs to stay as far away from me as possible and only engage to the point that is absolutely necessary. You know, like keep the lights on, but otherwise don't come a knocking mm -hmm. kind of thing. Or, you know, 
fill the hole in the pot, fill the pothole in the road, but otherwise leave me alone. Whereas uh, other societies and other cultures just think, you know, uh, think more communally, like I am because we are. And if you're thinking more communally and more socially, you need some entity to kind of manage that or, or stand above that and, and be on the lookout for the good of the whole or the good of the many versus the good of the few or the good of the one. Somebody's got to do that in a, a group of people, right? Be it a family or a community or a town or a country. Somebody's got to be the one that says, look, you don't want to wear that mask. And I'm sorry that, you know, your face breaks out when you wear that mask. But this isn't about you. This is about the state or the town or, you know, like somebody's got to be that that voice of your rights as an individual stop where mine begin. And so I, I think government is the best institution, government as a concept mm-hmm. is the best institution to, to play that neutral role, um, to be that kind of arbiter at, at the top that is theoretically supposed to be you know, looking out for the, the, the good of the whole versus the good of the few or the good of the one. Um, some institution has got to do that. And in my view, it has to be a neutral institution. It can't, and what I mean by that is it can't be the church. Um, it can't be other religions. It can't be other, it's got to be like a secular institution if we believe in democracy. And if you don't believe in democracy, that's a different discussion. Um, so my role of government or my belief about, or my view of the role of government is that government can be a very, a very effective player in, in, in helping to ensure the maximum welfare and well-being for the maximum amount of people possible. Um, but in, in, in connection to that, I also believe that certain things are, are fundamental human rights and not everybody would agree. Like I think, I think access to healthcare is a fundamental human right. So we shouldn't have to pay for it. We shouldn't have to, you know, it's just a fundamental right. Like I need that road out there to get from point A to point B. I need healthcare, otherwise I die. So, you know, things like that. So I would argue, you know, for a greater role of government in, in making sure that everyone has access to that. And we've decided that education is one of those things, right? And so not only um, do we attempt to provide access to everyone, we've made it a law. You have to go to K through 12, otherwise you're truant. But something like healthcare, we haven't, we haven't gone that direction yet. So I, I don't know but if that answers the question exactly. But those are my, my, my thoughts on it, yeah. I think, well, I could go on, but it would go in a different direction <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I think it's um, you expressed well your view, and it gave, it's gave me some things to th- think about, especially... Um, how we are individualistic and um, whereas, uh, you know, the rest of the world 
and probably the rest of the errors of humanity were more communal mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and how that can shape how a person views government. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we probably should uh, wrap it up about there, or this could just be the introduction to like a whole another hour <laughs> conversation. <laughs> right, right. It could. But it's been good. Um, it's been encouraging to me and helpful to me. So I really appreciate good. the time with you. Awesome. Brad. My pleasure. My pleasure, Will. Mm-hmm.